Hey guys, I truly do apologize for all the, the, the logistical parts this morning. Uh, we are learning as we go. I pray, that, I pray that we fill the church like this every Sunday. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. However, if you're in the overflow room, I was told in the first service y'all could see and hear like being right in here. So thank you for coming. Thank you for bearing with us as far as uh, seating over there. Look at the bright side. There was a thousand donuts that now you get to eat that these folks in here cannot. So you're good. <laughs> it's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you that could come and, and be a part of this celebration today. And... Believe it or not, I had made little note cards that have now disappeared. Um, hmm. So that means everybody's introduction now is going to be ad lib. How did that happen? Okay. No, that has nothing. I needed my, my cards that were right there. Okay. Oh, well. No, I got a schedule. I had little note cards I had written things down on that was up here that um, that seems to have disappeared. That's right. You know what that means? It means that the Lord's going to take over and y'all going to get preached to instead. <laughs> they are definitely gone. Okay. So we'll just wing it this morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you guys this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Guys, as we get started today, let me just say to you, it's late, but we're going to keep on rolling. When this tragedy transpired 18 months ago, in the scriptures, if you read biblically, there was a battle that was transpiring and Moses was up on the hill of that battle. And it says that as, the, as his arms was up, the battle was being won. But when his arms started to come down, the battle would start to be lost. And Aaron and Ur ran up there and held his arms so the battle could be won for the Israelites as he prayed unto the Lord. I had, and I still praise God to this day, an Aaron and a Hur in those first two, few weeks, or throughout the trials. But I'm going to ask, I haven't seen Kevin. Is Kevin? There's Kevin. Kevin, come on up. Kevin, this is Kevin Cornelius, and he was, one, he was my Ur this morning. He's going to open us in prayer. Thank you, brother. Kevin Cornelius, First Baptist Church, Carn City. Would you pray with me? Father, you tell us in Scripture, you said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And God, we're glad to be here today. We thank you for the chance to come together and to worship you, Father. We thank you for the chance to be in this place and to dream of all the wonderful things you're going to do here as you grow, as you save people, as you disciple them, Father. But God, we praise you that this, this building is not the church. We thank you that for the past 18 months, the church has thrived and done well. Father, it hasn't been easy, but it's, it's taught us to seek your face. It's taught us to run to you, to depend on you like no one else, to let you be the source for all we need for life, for comfort. So Father, we ask that you would help us to be a people who would continue to seek your face, who would continue to be the church inside this wonderful building and outside in this community and the surrounding areas, Father. We pray that your spirit would be heavy upon us. Father, that you would guide us, that you would walk behind us saying, go to the left or go to the right, and we would know the way to walk in it. Father, we pray that much would be made of you and that you would continue to bring healing and peace to this place. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for that, Kevin. And we're going to turn it over to Chris, and Chris is going to lead us in worship this morning. First Baptist Church, Southern Springs Praise Team. We, uh, we had a bit of a celebration this morning, um, but now in this service, we're going to come in reverence and, and we're going to worship. So we, we picked a, a little bit more of a reverent song. Uh, if you guys would sing with us, hopefully you know the chorus of this song. Uh, this is It Is Well. Feel free to stand or take a comfortable position of worship, whatever that means for you. Grand earth is quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice. Seas that are shaken and stirred. Can be calmed and broken from my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well. Well 
Thank you guys. There we go again. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. And it is well. One of the great things we can say is that though there was tragedy, God brings roses out of the ashes. Amen. He brings glory to those who are called according to his purpose, even when we don't understand everything that's happening. And that's what we're here celebrating today. But we're also remembering those who have paid a price for this incredible facility, for the platform that we have, for the very fact that we are able to continue to share the gospel. There's been a price that's been paid. There's been the material prices. And, and guys, we're acknowledging a few of those today. And, and many of these folks over here, North American Mission Board's not on the schedule, but praise God for them who have brought this together through the cooperative program for us to be able to, to, be able to have a place such as this. Amen. But the next gentleman I'm going to introduce to you this, this morning is, is my Aaron. We had Er come up and open his, his prayer. And 
and he's wearing many hats today. My Aaron, Mark Collins, is coming to be Horatio. But come on up, Mark Collins. Pastor of First Baptist Church, Yorktown. Mark has been by my side for many years, but especially during this last 18 months. So thank you, Mark. Thank you. God bless. Time, we are going to remember those that are not among us today. They have crossed the veil. And so I'm going to read each of the names of those that lost their lives on November the 5th, 2017. And we're going to celebrate each name with the tolling of our bell in its new tower. Robert Scott Marshall, 56. Karen Sue Marshall, 56. Keith Allen Braden, 62. Tara Elise McNulty, 33. Peggy Lynn Warden, 56. Dennis Neal Johnson, 77. Sarah John Johnson, 68. Lou White, 71. Joanne Lookingville Ward, 30. Brooke Brian Ward, Bob Michael Corrigan, 51. Shane Lewis Lois Corrigan, 51. Teresa Sagan Rodriguez, 66. Richard Ricardo Cardona Rodriguez, 64. Haley Brooke Kruger, 16. Emily Rain Garcia, 7. Emily Rose Hill, 11. Greg Lynn Hill, 13. Megan Yale Hill, 9. Mark Danny Holcomb, 36. Noah Grace. Holcomb, 1. Carla Plain Holcomb, 58. Brian Holcomb, 60. Crystal Marie Holcomb, 36. Carlin Bright Billy Bob Holcomb, unborn. I would like to share out of my journal what I wrote on November the 6th, 2017, as we came together, the remnants of this church, to see what God was going to do. That evening, as restless sleep did not come, I wrote, Oh God, we cry out to you.
We sent an army of our best across the veil yesterday. Why, we know not. Our hearts are crushed, our minds empty. Send the comforter to our families. Let our souls yet say, it is well, it is well with my soul. On November the 7th, 2017, at 2040 AM, I wrote at University Hospital as we were walking out, Frank and I, I thought it, and Frank said it, we have a church. We wondered how we could sustain after we had lost so much. And yet as we went to encourage that day, we were the ones that were encouraged. That's Chris and David and Julie and so many. Said, we can't wait to get back. We can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do. We've paid a great price. I wrote, Lord, help us stand as light on a hill. Let us stand as love never fails and evil never wins. And church, family, here we stand on Carla's Corner. And we are standing. To God be the glory for that. It is well with my soul has been my theme. Chris, I enjoyed that rendition this morning. It was such a blessing. But that song was written by a man that was on a ship as he was crossing the Atlantic, and it wasn't a pleasure trip. He was awakened by the Captain Stewart at about 2 a.m. because he had requested that the captain let him know when they would cross over the place where three weeks earlier his wife and his four daughters had been on a ship that had been struck by another ship and in 12 minutes it went below the waves. Over the next few hours she watched one by one as she lost the grip of her daughters from 10 to 2. Horatio Spafford waited anxiously for days. Finally, a telegram came, and that telegram said, I alone live. What should I do? Many of you could have written like telegram. And as he went out of his cabin and he went out onto that dark deck of that ship by himself, and the cold Atlantic wind was blowing. He was standing with his wreath. The captain had said that he would toll the bell thrice when they were on the spot. And so he waited. When he heard that bell, he tossed the wreath and he almost was tempted to go with it. He wanted to be with his daughters. But for the love of God and for the love of his wife who was waiting for him, and then he said, a warm light from God filled his soul and brought peace where there was no peace and gave him the words for the song, it is well with my soul. Please listen to these words as we celebrate today.
When peace like a river Attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to Assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is my soul, my soul. Thank you, brother. Truly appreciate that. Amen. We'd like to share just a little something with you this morning.
God showed me a scripture, and it's in Jeremiah 33:10. It says, "In this place, which you say is a ruin, there will be heard again a sound of joy and gladness." I think that's what we're here for today. Um, I want to share a story about the place where we're standing. Um, I have a story we share, we try to share all over the place where we go, but this morning I want to start with uh, Sarah's Facebook post. I didn't ask you if I could use it, I don't see Sarah, but um, this, this just, it's perfect for this story. So this is a handwritten prayer of Carla's, and it says, I pray for our little church. I ask you to deliver the empty lot next door to the hands of your church. I pray for the decisions made by the body of the church, that we don't get stuck in the ways of men, in progress, etc. May our faith be in you, Lord. That was the heart of Carla. Carla was a prayer warrior. Carla was one of my very best friends. She prayed for this land that we're now standing on for years. This used to be a land, a two-acre plot of weeds that sometimes were waist-high. She would walk the perimeter of this land day after day, year after year. And one, one time within the last 18 months, somebody asked me, Sherry, how can you still pray? How can you still believe that God answers prayer? And this is the story I shared with them because Carla prayed for years for this land to be given to this church. Maybe the first time she prayed, God said no, which is still an answer to prayer, by the way. Do you all know that? Maybe the next few hundred times she prayed for this land, God said not yet. And maybe, maybe, we don't know for sure, but maybe the very last day she prayed for this land was on November 5th because her car was parked very close to where, we're, where I'm standing right now. Maybe she came early that day and walked the perimeter of this land again for the very last time. Maybe God said to her, are you ready, Carla? And I know, I know what she would say without a doubt. Yes, God, whatever it takes. Maybe God said yes that day because the land that, you're standing, that we are standing on right now, that this building is built on, was giving to, given to us. And Carla had told Frank many times, he would say, Carla, our little church can't afford that land. They're asking a fortune. And she grabbed him by the face and she said, I'm not praying that we can buy this church. I'm praying, this land, I'm praying that God will give it to us. And this land was given to First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs without a penny of the budget of First Baptist Church Sutherland Springs being spent on this. So that's the kind of faith that this church is built on, and may we continue. Amen. And the only thing I would add to that is that now upon that land, as Mark eloquently just titled it, Carla's Corner, it stands now a beautiful facility that was built for us 
But one of the things I continue to share is to remember that as beautiful as this facility is, and we just dedicated it in the first service, and I pray this will be a, a house used for prayer. What we need to remember, God blessed us. Now we need to continue to give him the glory. This building is made out of bricks and wood and glass. But Jesus said if we ever start worshiping those little idols made out of bricks, out of wood, out of glass, that we are worshiping the wrong thing. I love this building. We need to be good stewards of this building. But praise God, what I pray that everyone will remember is the church is still thriving and the church is not the building. It's all who have the blood of Jesus Christ within their heart and upon their soul. Amen? That's the church that we're celebrating on Carla's Corner today. Amen. Thank you for that, Sherry. One of the strongest supporters we've had throughout this entire ordeal through the Southern is the Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist Convention of Texas, and, and the North American Mission Board. But we are blessed this day to actually have the man at the helm of that vast entity, the Southern Baptist Convention, a man who pastors Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and he has been pastoring there for 16 years, I think, and it is Dr. J.D. Greer is going to come up from the Southern Baptist Convention and share with us this morning. Let me first say to those of you who are grieving on this day how brokenhearted we are with you. We know that today is a day of joy and triumph and celebration, but we know that for you it, it has to be mixed with memory of unspeakable loss, the memory of those who should be here today but are not. And I just want to say that we are brokenhearted with you in that. Your brothers and sisters in Christ in the Southern Baptist Convention weep with you. And we know that none of our words can change that for you. What makes the Christian message distinctive is not that it keeps us from tragedy. What makes it distinctive is what it says to us and does for us in the midst of tragedy. In the same way that stars are best seen in the darkness of night, so it is that the gospel shines forth the best in the darkness of tragedy. You see, the gospel declares to us that even tragedy cannot stop the work of God. It shows us that God can take the worst that our enemy has to offer and he can use it for good. We saw that, of course, happen most vividly with Jesus when Satan and the powers of evil dealt him what they believed to be a mortal blow at the cross. We now know that it was at that very moment when evil was flexing its muscles that God was accomplishing the salvation of the world. And that three days later, God overruled that tragedy with the victory of resurrection. I think all of us see something similar happening here in the seeds that were planted through the tragedy inflicted on this congregation. God has brought forward a new congregation, already nearly triple its size, pointing forward on a national stage to the hope in Jesus. The evil you experienced was real. But you are proof that the Christian story never ends in death. It ends in resurrection. Evil did not win. For the Christian, through the resurrection, evil can never win. Amen. This knowledge is, in part, what empowers the Christian to forgive. 
Last year, the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting in Dallas, Pastor Frank and his wife, Sherry, shared their story and your story, inspiring all of us with the forgiveness that they displayed, a testimony that included, of course, the tragic death of their own daughter, but one completely devoid of bitterness and hate. And all of us, the representatives of 48,000 churches stood in awe. The world marvels at that kind of forgiveness. It wants that kind of forgiveness, but the world cannot muster that. The world can barely understand it. Where does the power for that kind of forgiveness come from? Well, see, it comes from two places. First, from the knowledge that Jesus has forgiven each of us of incalculable condemnation before God. And secondly, from the knowledge that we have a Savior who turns even the worst tragedies into triumph. We know that because he turned a cross into an empty tomb, we know that he restores beauty from the ashes. We know that he builds the ravages from the ravages of broken lives. He rebuilds them into his new creation, renewing their strength and then making them mount up on wings like eagles. And see, because of that, we can forgive. Finally, it is in the darkness of pain and tragedy that we see that God can renew in his church that bond that Jesus said would be the definitive mark of his children. Love. This tragedy brought forward an overwhelming outpouring of love from the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention, from the Southern Baptist Convention at large to cover funeral cross and provide help for the families, which you've already heard about. The North American Mission Board was able to pay for the construction of this new building and the property it sits on because of the 48,000 Southern Baptist Convention churches coming together through the cooperative program and the generous and selfless leadership of Jim Richards, Dr. Jim Richards and the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. When the worst evil and the worst darkness intruded on this small congregation, I am glad, but not surprised, to say that the best of who Southern Baptists are step forward to help. And this is, of course, well and good. Because Scripture tells us that those who have been redeemed by Jesus ought now to bear one another's burdens as he bared theirs. And in so doing, he said, you will display the beauty of Jesus Christ. And we seem to be able to do that best in tragedy. It was the Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis who once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts at us in our pain. And today I think we hear his voice in both. We hear his voice in a tragedy that shouts to us in words that could not be any clearer that our world is broken, that there is a sickness at the heart of mankind that produces far too many of these kinds of tragedies. I ask you, can better laws fix our problem? Can education fix our problem? Can prosperity fix our problem? If better laws, better education, and more prosperity could remove us from the possibilities of these tragedies, we would be beyond this. But we are not beyond this because those things, as good as they are, are not the cure, the ultimate cure. Only Jesus can heal the heart. Only Jesus can wipe away every tear from every eye. Only Jesus can make justice roll down like waters. Only Jesus can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Only Jesus. Better laws may certainly help us contain the damage, but only the gospel can heal the soul. 
The gospel, you see, is that the brokenness that causes these kinds of tragedies dwells in all of us. It's the same brokenness that leads to fractured families, the same brokenness that leads to dissatisfied lives. It's a brokenness that comes from being separated from God. You see, the gospel is that God, in his love, overcame that separation by coming to earth to die in the place of sinners, suffering their penalty and bringing an end to their brokenness through his death on the cross and offering forgiveness and healing through that death to all who will receive it as a gift. Today, on this day, remembering this tragedy, God shouts at us, you need Jesus. You need Jesus to heal the brokenness in your heart. You need Jesus to overrule the tragedies in our lives through the triumph of his resurrection. But on this day, we also hear his voice whispering to us in the pleasantness of friendship and the warmth of brotherly love and the optimism and the smiles of new hope. A voice that is calling us forward to a new community. A community without brokenness, a community without tragedy, without crying and without pain. A community built on love and established in justice forever and ever and ever. This is the hope to which the gospel calls us. And I would even dare say that if we heed the voice of God on this day of both tears and triumph, then truly those brothers and sisters who died in this church on that dark day of November 5th, 2017 will not have died in vain. Amen? Amen. After the tragedy, the first couple weeks thereafter, I was, I was trying to figure out what we were going to do. And it was amazing the logistics that came to be with the tent and things of this nature. And North American Mission Board approached me and said, Brother, we're going to build you a church. And I said, well, that's great. We got enough money in the, in the taking up that we can probably put up a basketball goal. That's about it. And he said, no, you don't understand. We're going to build you a church through the cooperative program. So again, I can never say thank you enough to the Southern Baptist Convention, North American Mission Board, and all the 48,000 churches that have given to the cooperative program. Thank you very, very much for, for that. And to bring that to fruition, as we were thinking about it, I said, the one thing that stands out to me, that Sutherland Springs is always a beacon on a hill to Wilson County, that we're, we're high here, we're trying to preach the gospel. I would love to see it continue to be a beacon on the hill. And I wanted to see the bell from the old church that the children would run to and ring that bell every Sunday. That was really my only two things I put forth. And then they called upon someone to bring that to fruition. And when he brought me the drawings, I was incredibly overtaken. So at this point, I'd like to introduce the, the gentleman who's going to introduce other gentlemen who brought the dream to fruition, Mr. Scott Grosky. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here um, among you all. And the, the theme has been from this morning throughout everyone else's uh, time up here about the church being more than a building. And our company has been blessed to work with literally hundreds of churches around this country. And I would tell you that every church we work with says that same thing. But I can assure you that this church has lived that out. Uh, it's never been about these buildings, not one time. 
Frank was right. The, the only input he really gave to us was he wanted this to be, wanted to be a light to the community of Sullivan Springs and beyond, and he wanted the place for, the, for, for that bell to go. And the rest of this came together through a lot of hard work and commitment from a lot of people from all over the country, from Oregon to Ohio to Alabama, that, that came in in many ways. And I hope you'll take some time today. There's some um, information out in the, in the foyer that shows the companies that donated this project. And it's really overwhelming when you look at it because we had, in, in essence, about 100 companies throughout the country that gave something to this project. And the best part about that for me is, is that I never heard of, or our company never worked with, 90% of those companies. 90 out of those 100 plus companies we had never met before. So these were just companies around the country that got on board with this church and this community and this tragedy and wanted, wanted to be a part of that, and that's an amazing thing. When we're being told every day by the, by the press and everywhere else that this world's falling apart, I can assure you that it's not that there are people out there across this country that are still great people who want to see great things happen. And I have the privilege today of some of those being with us, and I want to just introduce those that are with us today. Um, first of all, our architect, Michael O'Kelly, who was the, was the brainchild behind all of this and really brought this together. He's with us along with his wife, Leslie. Um, Jones Carter did our civil engineering, Dar Darren Willis and Reese Connor and Ryan Quinn, Davis Dumas, uh, Joe Davis and his wife Bree are here. These were the designers that, um, it's interesting that when Kevin called me about our company taking on the task, the first thing I had to think of is I've got to build this team. I've got to build a team of designers, I've got to build a team of con constructors and get this done. And the first person I called was Michael O'Kelly, our architect, who's a great friend and we've done many projects together. And I said, I've uh, got a really great opportunity for you. Um, doesn't pay well, but it's a great opportunity. And um, he had turned around the first drawing of this building in about five days. And when I got the design team together who had donated all of their time, I said, the one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to go about this in a halfway manner. We're going to approach this job like every other job we do. And within a matter of weeks, we had drawings turned around. So everyone was on board with the urgency of this job. One thing that Frank said when we first met was we want to get, we want to get back to our church in a sense of normalcy as fast as we can. And so that sense of urgency transpired beyond design and construction, and now these people came on board. And I want to introduce to you now um, the construction folks that are here as well that made such a big impact on this job. Again, there are stories, and I'll tell a couple here in a minute, they're just incredible stories of how God brought companies to this church. But we've got Leslie Stipe with Alamo Concrete, we've got Kyle Sharp and Peter Agula and, Mar and Matthew Marilez with Sharp Glass. Um, we have uh, Nehemiah and Eva Marino with Seaton and Associates. We have Ryan and Stacy Hampton with the Front Door Company. Tommy Hicks of American Stair. Uh, Travis Mayer with James Hardy and Associates. Uh, Linda Gomez and Bob Gomez with Gomez Flooring. And a big shout out to Doug Wendell. Doug is the person who did all the audio video. Doug has been here for two months, I think, 24 hours a day make this happen. And um, we appreciate it, Doug. It's a heroic amount of work to make any of this and all of this come together, and he's done such a fantastic job. I would be very remiss not to thank uh, our people at our company. It's commonplace for the leadership of a company to get the accolades when I haven't done really a whole lot out here, okay? But Gary Nazarick is a project 
manager. And any, any organization is only as good as people. And, and Gary worked for us a long, long time ago. And Gary was retired and happy just outside of here, about 45 miles from here, I guess. And when we started talking about how we were going to execute this project, uh, Paul Head said, you know, Nazarek's over there somewhere. And so we called Gary up and said, would you be interested in coming to do this job? And it literally took him five minutes. And that's also a sacrifice from Nancy Joe's wife, because Gary's been here, as you know, the last two or three months. It's been seven days pretty much for Gary. And so, Gary, um, I know you're looking forward to getting back to your farm, but I can't thank you enough for your work here and bringing all this together. Now, Gary did hit the panic button a couple times, I will say that, during the job. And uh, we were out here in February meeting with Frank and some folks. We walked the job, and I said, I think I'm going to send, send some help out here to get this thing in. And, and so we have a guy named Tom Durham that you've probably met as well. He's been out here since February. Tom's our general superintendent. And I met with Tom and said, Tom, we've got, a, we've got a hard finish date. And he's heard that from me a lot. And I said, this is a really hard finish date because we have people that are big deals going to be here that we can't, <laughs> we can't really blow them off like we can some people, okay? Um, and Tom showed up and called me the next day and said, there's no chance we're going to be ready by the 19th. And I just let that kind of go and I said, oh, we'll, we'll be fine. And what really transpired from that was amazing because understand when you got a, a million and a half dollars has been donated through people, think about that for a minute. It's a hard phone call to call somebody and say, hey, we need more people. We need you to kind of make this a priority. And, and Tom made the decision to send a pretty strong letter to the, our subcontractor and say, you know what, it's time to get this done. We need, you, we need you to show up. And it happened that fast. And this thing came together really, really quick and, and beautifully. And, and Tom, I know Gary would say this as well, was a huge part of this. And very thankful for Tom. He spent a lot of time away from his family. Uh, Tom lives in Alabama and spent the last two months out here with you and your church, and I appreciate the way you've welcomed him and our company um, out here as well. And then my trusty sidekick, Paul Head. Paul's our CFO, but does a lot more than that. And Paul is, when I get irritated and upset about something, Paul always handles it. He just kind of settles it down and makes it happen. And Paul and I have been friends for 30 plus years. He's a trusted friend, an incredible um, employee that runs our company. and. Paul and I were out here together. We've never been out here alone. We always come at the same time, and we both fell in love with this church. We fell in love with this community when we got here, and it's been a, a heart project for Paul, too. And, and Paul, I really appreciate you and all that you've done to help us get here. Um, we had some interesting, there were some really great stories on this job, and, and Frank loves to hear the stories. I, I was, the bell was a great story because we were, out of all the things I was consumed about early on the job, the bell was not one of them. And a guy calls me out of the blue and says, hey, my name's Bob Burden from Burden Bells. I hear you've got a big bell. I said, I do. 
And he said, well, I think it already needs to be moved and refinished. And I said, it does. And he said, well, would you be okay with us doing that for free? And I said, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I never thought it was a big deal, but I, I learned that if there's been a clock or bell in the world built, I think Bob's built it. They came down from Ohio, disassembled the bell, took it up, refinished it, put it in place. It's very rare in our industry that something gets handled. And it was just handled. And we had that in so many occasions. The, 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 the beautiful kitchen you see was an addition to the job, it was a change in the job. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but that required all these engineers and architects to start over and do some things. This is midway through the job. We just felt like God was leading us to that room because this church does so much outreach through, through its food ministry. Well, it also changed a lot of the structure. And so we like Hill Country Steel. We called them and said, hey, man, we're really sorry, but we just made this huge change. Typically, that's a really big deal. And they were like, it's not a problem. It's handled. It's taken care of. Okay? So there were so many of these great stories. And I'm just so grateful for the people um, that were part of this. And then, and then lastly, me in this, the, the memorial. I hope you've all had a chance to look at it. I, I, I know much more about the victims than I do the survivors. We spent the last two months putting together this memorial. And I hired a very good friend and a very talented interior designer uh, named Ivy Schuster. Uh, she, she owns Hatcher Schuster Interiors and she's an incredible gifted interior designer and we came out here and she came out for the first time two months ago. And of course you have to get through the first steps of, of understanding this when you're with your feet on the ground it's different. And as we looked around and thought about it she just kept saying to me that we need to keep this simple. Okay, this speaks for itself. We don't need it. We do need it. It speaks for itself. The victims speak for themselves. And Christy Duzak, she is the MVP to me. Okay, the MVP. Um, in my mind, she had the hardest job that we ask anyone, and that we had to have someone to communicate with the families to get us photographs and do those things that are very difficult to do. And she volunteered to do that. And she did it tremendously. And it was interesting as we were getting the photographs in, you began to see the personalities of these people. And so you began to kind of understand who they were in, in, in a way. And, and Christy just kept telling us in her soft, humble voice, you know, we want the personalities of these victims to be seen forever. And I hope what you see is um, the people you remember. That was the intent. And I hope that with all the clutter that comes along with church and life, that that space can remain uncluttered and simple. That's what it's intended to be. And I hope it can stay that way because um, we were honored to be a part of that assembly of space and, and, and representing those people that are your loved ones. Lastly, I just want to thank you, your, your church and, the, and your church family for accepting our company in here. It's a life-changing job. We've done hundreds. This is life-changing. This is one of these jobs you'll never forget. I told Gary that the first time we talked about it. I said, this would be one, Gary, you don't, this would be one we carry with us, right? And um, it wouldn't happen without Kevin Ezell and, and North American Mission Board. Um, it just wouldn't have. And, and I can tell you, their instruction to us was simple, and it was, get them what they need, okay? It, there, were, there were no restrictions, there were no strings, it was just get them 
what they need. And uh, it's very, in all of my years, 26 years of doing this, we've never had that freedom anywhere on the job. And it was an incredible uh, responsibility given to us by NAM. And I'm just, Kevin, I'll tell you this, I cannot thank you enough for letting us be a part of this. So this is an incredible thing. And you'll, you'll, you'll never understand what NAM has done, uh, the foot they put forward and the Southern Baptist Convention, Convention did to make this happen. It's just, it's just incredible. And uh, lastly, I'll thank my family. You always thank your family, but it's not tongue in cheek. Um, I learned early on, you don't, you, don't, you don't leave your work at home or your work at the office. I've always got my wife in my mind. I've always got my work in my mind. That's, it's, we're a family. It's all together. So she's had to hear in my frustrations and my happiness, my joys. She's had to hear some stories and sad stories and, and, and realities out here. And she's been right there with me. And then my two boys came out here and uh, they assembled the memorial space. And I wanted them to be a part of that. I wanted, them to, I wanted them to understand the gravity of what it is to be a godly man, okay? I wanted, to, I wanted them to walk away here with something that changed them, to help them see what it means to be a godly man and what it means to stand up for what you believe in. And you all allowed them that, and I appreciate that. And thank you for our time here. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Scott. And the two young men you brought, were they, they jumped right in and went to work. And very, I, I love hearing these boys coming from Alabama saying, thank you, sir, and yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. I like those kind of manners. Amen. You've heard a lot of, a lot of things here so far today. We also, too, throughout this rebuilding ordeal, we have had support from both the local, state, and national leaders as well incredible positions i was sharing with um, the, the governor just a little bit earlier I, sherry and i were in dc monday and tuesday speaking to a, a homeland security event from washington dc and it was great to hear how much it was god bless texas because we need to be like them hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah but it, it is a god thing and I thank God for what he has done here, and it's God who's being honored, but it's also my honor this morning to, to introduce to you someone who's been with us from the day, very first day and every day throughout, the, great, the governor of this great state of Texas, Governor Abbott. Thank you, and Pastor, thank you very much for your leadership. You and Sherry, thank you for being such a great example for everybody in this community, frankly, for everybody in this entire world. Despite losing your own daughter, God gave you the grace and the strength 
to continue to lead this great congregation. And I want to thank you for walking with God through this journey. I'm proud to join you today along with Senator Cornyn. We have uh, Representative Kimple with us, who I have lost track of. He's around here somewhere. Uh, Representative Kimple uh, with the sheriff, with other elected officials. But most importantly, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to be back with the people of Sutherland Springs, salt-of-the-earth people. You know, words cannot describe, words cannot describe the tragedy of what happened just next door to where we are. But scripture shows there is a pathway out, and it is captured by what Sherry was talking about earlier. It, the book of Psalms tells us this, For you, O Lord, have tested us. You have tried us. You laid a crushing burden on our backs, and yet you brought us out to a place of abundance. You brought us out to a place of abundance. I was thinking about that with all the stories that I've heard up here. You know, Sherry was talking about the story about how there was a vision for what was going to be here, but there was no way to connect with that vision. And here we are in this remarkable church, in and of itself a place of abundance. But as has been pointed out, this is really just a building. Look at the abundance of the people here. There are more people in this church today than there were on that horrific November day a year and a half ago. This is abundance of God's people themselves. But more importantly, is the abundance of God's blessings and what God stands for. And this is a tangible sign as people drive through Sutherland Springs in the future, they will know that this is a place where goodness triumphed over evil and forever will be a place of abundance for God and His children. Now, no doubt, this past year and a half have been a trying time for Sutherland Springs. But this day marks another giant step forward on the path to healing and recovery. We remember those who were taken from us. And we pray for the ongoing recovery of the victims who've been injured, both physically and mentally. And we give thanks for the amazing grace of the people of Sutherland Springs. When I first met you all at the community center just a block or two from here on the night of the shooting, your hearts have been ripped apart. 
the ultimate fear of losing a loved one. That fear gripped that room that night in a very palpable way. And that tragedy cast a pall across this entire community. But hours later, just hours later, there was a power far stronger than the fear that gripped that room. It was the power of God. I saw this power at the prayer vigil that night across the street over at the post office, at the prayer vigil. At a time when anguish gripped this community, there surfaced a small glimmer of peace. A peace that no human is capable of summoning. A peace that can only come from God. You know, Pastor, you were talking earlier about the brokenhearted. And as you know, the Bible is filled with scriptures talking about it. And Psalms teaches that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. And that is exactly what began to happen that very night. And continues to this very day. In the days and weeks that followed that evening. Hearts have no doubt remained broken. Scars both physical and mental have healed only to resurface time and again. I was visiting with Julie earlier and I'm looking for her now. And you share with me, as I saw you today, what I knew you were going to say. Because it is the reality of the aftermath of something like this. And that is, there have been ups and downs. You said it's a roller coaster. There have been endless weeks, no doubt, that have been filled with storm clouds. With intermittent rays of sunshine. Sometime along the way, perhaps no one knows really when it first occurred, there was a moment of laughter that seeped into conversations. Well, overcoming a tragedy is a process. First, there's healing. Then, there's hope. That's exactly what God teaches us in the book of Romans. Where they remind us that suffering produces endurance, endurance character, and character hope. A community that was once engulfed with suffering is now on the pathway of hope. Now I have not walked in the shoes of the people of Sutherland Springs, but I do know what it's like. To face a life-altering tragedy. And to lose the ability to walk like Chris Workman has. I know the tears that you have shed. I know the anguish you have suffered. I know the dreams that have been dashed. But I also know what it is like to make it to the other side of this abyss. And I know that you know it too. 
I've seen it in your faces during my visits here. I've seen it when I talk to people like Chris Workman and his parents, like Stephen Williford, like your pastor and others in places other than here in Sutherland Springs. I see it in this remarkable, beautiful church, which is a tangible testament to the resilience that only God can instill. But mostly, I feel it. I feel it when I peer into your hearts and you reveal your souls. You know what happened just a block away from here still lingers. But this new church shows that you've taken an important step forward. A step, I might add, that advances your connection to God. And I can tell that this community already knows what I learned. And that is of all the dreams and hopes that we have, of all of the relationships that we cherish, the one that matters the most is the relationship that we have with God. With God, all things are possible. Only God can help a community transcend the type of tragedy that struck Sutherland Springs. Only with God can you as individuals chart a path out of the maze that you have been placed into. There is only one pathway forward. It's not our path. It is His path. When you follow that path, regardless of your circumstances, you will walk with peace the rest of your lives. The people of Sutherland Springs have been tested. You have been tried. And you too are being brought to a place of abundance because the grace of God is with you. May God forever embrace the community of Sutherland Springs. And may God forever bless the great state of Texas. God bless you all. Thank you. Another, another person that stood by our side the entire time could not be here today, but he has sent a video. And as our tech from Texas, the United States Center from Texas, Senator Cruz is going to have a video. Good morning. I'm sorry that I'm not there with you in person today, but I wanted to extend a message of strong support and prayer as you gather today to dedicate a new house for the Lord. Pastor Frank Pomeroy, Dave Colbath, and all the wonderful members of the First Baptist Church. You continue to inspire Texas and the entire nation with your strength, your unity, and your forgiveness. I've mourned alongside you. 
I've cried with you. I've prayed with you. And I've praised and worshiped God with you. Amen. And every day, in the face of unspeakable evil, you have shined the light of Jesus' redeeming love. In the wake of horrific tragedy, the world saw resilience. We saw shared burdens. And we saw a powerful example of what the church ought to look like everywhere. At the groundbreaking ceremony, I saw joy and dancing in the midst of sorrow. Today, we once again honor the memory of the 26 innocent souls, the men, women, and the precious children we lost on that dark day. As we are reminded in John, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Though there is a dark shadow of loss and suffering, today you will raise up a new house that will proudly proclaim the light of the gospel. God took upon himself the frailty of our human nature to suffer and die that he might destroy death forever. That one day, we may be fully reunited with him and all our loved ones in eternity. Until that day, we who live and labor must keep faith and remember the promise of Jesus Christ, who will be worshiped in this holy place once more by young and old for generations to come. May the message of the gospel and the Lord's teachings be shared in this new church. May God bless you and be with you each and every day. I don't know about you, but I like it when our governors and senators start preaching at us. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, another one that has stood by us is our United States Senator, Mr. John Cornyn, who is, he was here to, uh, this, uh, the week right after the tragedy, and he was here to worship with us then, and since then he went on to pass the Fix the NICS Act, and, and God has been using him in mighty ways, and as he has continued to work for us, we're going to welcome him together today, Senator John Cornyn. Thank you, brother. It's an honor for Sandy and I to be back here with you in uh, Sutherland Springs and to celebrate with you the dedication of this beautiful new worship center. As Pastor Pomeroy said, I remember very clearly being here on November the 12th, 2017, one week after this tight-knit community was rocked to its core following the loss of 26 friends, neighbors, and beloved members of this congregation. I remember reviewing my brief remarks on the way here that day, wondering what I might possibly say to bring even an ounce of comfort to this community in the face of such tragedy. But you know, you do know, God has a way of surprising us and providing us strength when we need it. And that's what happened that day in this small community. That day's service wasn't the wasn't in the original First Baptist Church building, as you know. It wasn't in a real building at all. It was in a tent. 
we gathered down the road on 7th Street on a baseball field, and as strange as it may seem, it could not have been a more fitting location for the service that day. Often in the Bible we see that physical spaces like the tabernacle or the temple are a symbol of God's faithfulness. And inside that tent that day, we were not disappointed. Our faith was renewed. When Pastor Pomeroy and Pastor Collins spoke, they didn't focus on the calamity the week before. Rather, they focused on God's love. That day, First Baptist Church smashed its 100-year attendance record. In that tent, it was standing room only. Today, I'm reminded of the words of Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now the light is shining on them. The darkness this congregation witnessed was unfathomable. You came face to face with inexplicable, senseless evil. I know the scars remain and perhaps the wounds feel just as painful as they did on that day. But through your grief, you never let darkness win. On your walk through the land of shadows, you never lost your faith in the Lord. Instead of pulling away from him, he brought you closer. When Sandy and I joined you at that service 18 months ago, I watched in awe as folks who suffered terrible loss spoke of their faith in the rock of ages. It was a remarkable thing to behold and an inspiration to me. I should also note that yesterday we marked the one-year anniversary of the school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas, where 10 lives were taken from us far too soon. Your example reminds us, as did that, does that of the good citizens of Santa Fe, that we need to choose good over evil, faith over fear, mercy over hatred, and hope over despair. Today, as you dedicate this new building, which will serve not only as a meeting place, it will serve as a beacon to others. The path here was certainly painful and not one that any of you would have chosen. But through your mourning, your grief, and your magnificent example, you have reflected God's grace in action. Today marks a new era in the life of this church. Now you will have an even larger home to continue to share the love you have for the Lord and one another in this community. While this beautiful facility is truly a reflection of the community, as you've been told by the pastor, the church is not four walls and a roof. It's the people. Whether in a stunning building like this or under a tent in the middle of a baseball field, this church stands together and refuses to quit, to let evil win. Pastor Pomeroy has said prior to the shootings, we were a small church with a big heart. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of a big church 
with an even bigger heart. Our state and our nation are inspired by the faith of the people of Sutherland Springs. And I am humbled, Sandy and I are both humbled to be here with you today. May God continue to bless you all and may he continue his work through the church, the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. Amen. Thank you. At this point, before we head out front, if you didn't know, there's hamburgers and lunch and everything out front over there. But let's just thank the Lord one more time for everyone that's been here this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. At this time, I'm going to ask our survivors if you would jump, if you would step up and come to the stage. Stephen, come up to the front. Our, our speakers that were here. I can't, I don't have the list in front of me now. Yes, I do. Survivors and VIPs, absolutely. So come on up, guys, and our survivors. Come on up to the front of the stage, and we're going to have a word of prayer over those who made this happen. Kevin, you're one of them as well, North American Mission Board. Come on up. I want you all to come up here. And Brother Paul, Paul Buford. Did Paul make it? There he is. Come on up, Paul. Paul was instrumental during the tragedy, if you did not know. We were in a tent, as, as Senator Cornyn has just pointed out. And Paul, from River Oaks Baptist Church down the road down here, he, allowed, he came together and he said, you know what, my church is going to be a command center. Those first couple of weeks, logistically, my mind wasn't there. But as I said, I had Kevin Cornelius, I had Mark Collins, I had this gentleman right here to hold my arms up. And let us continue to move forward while I focus on the people. And I thank God for Paul. And Paul, these folks behind you that made this happen and these survivors, will you pray over them and close us in prayer this morning? Sure. Well, I'm honored to be here. Uh, we've been honored as a part of the body of, of Christ to walk with you guys uh, over this last year and a half and to be able to show the world uh, what the body of Christ is all about. Um, it's amazing how God, I know I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to be praying. <laughs> you know better than invite a Baptist pastor give him a microphone. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, don't, don't mess with the food. Uh, but it was really neat. The, the, I've been preaching through Romans, and in, and today, I, you know, I mean, I just took it as it came, and and the and the this, the message that I had today was just so on point, Frank, with what he uh, what he was talking about, and uh, I know I think it was the governor was talking about the grace that you've had going through all of this, even in the loss that you've had, and and one of the things that I found is that word grace. That we talk about and that we throw about so so much it, it's a divine influence upon our innermost being that is reflected in our life and i think we've seen that in this church 
uh, as we've seen God's grace, we've seen a divine influence on each and every one of y'all and, and, and it's being reflected out into the world and being shown. And the last verse that I closed with today, and I gotta tell you, that's, I just take it as, a, as it comes to me, was, uh, was Romans 12 verse 21 and it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God has a plan. And I know I, I speak for you that we're, we're proud to, that he allows us to be a part of his plan and to serve him. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today we just come in awe of who you are. God, that your plan will not be deterred in any form or fashion. And that no matter what happens, no matter how things come, no matter what it is that we see, that you work all things together for the good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Amen. We've spoken of evil not overcoming, Lord, for the last year and a half. And your word tells us to overcome evil with good. And we have seen nothing but good come since that day out of this community, out of this church, out of the people that are behind me, out of the leaders that we have, out of the body of Christ as we have all come together to celebrate and bring glory and honor to you, Father. We pray a blessing, Lord, upon this house where the body of Christ meets. We ask that your Holy Spirit would permeate this place, permeate the lives of each and every person that walks through these doors. Father, pray a blessing upon those survivors. We, we pray against any and all um, tragic, uh, tragedy or trauma, and we cut that off in the name of Jesus. And we say that, your will will be done here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in this church. Your will be done in this community. Your will be done in this state, in this nation, and in the world. We know that it will all come to that one day. Father, we stand ready to work with you in whatever way that we can. We thank you, Lord, for those who participated in every aspect of putting this uh, building together for all of the things that have come about with all of it all through the last year and a half, every, uh, every event that's taken place, every vigil, whatever it might be, Lord. We know that no one has done it for their glory, but we've done it all to bring glory and honor to you. To each and every one here, Lord, let your Holy Spirit touch them in a way like they've never been touched before. Guide them in a path that they didn't even know was set before them. Bring them into a, into a way of, of unknown, into a new mystery that only you can present to each and every one of us. All those survivors that are here, Lord, let their testimony be of your great works. Father, I pray for all the leaders that are here today that have stood by us and watched over and helped us in every aspect, would your Holy Spirit guide them in the decisions that they make, in the paths that they are to take in leading 
this, this county, this uh, state, this nation, Lord, and as we are a beacon to the world, even those things, put your words in their mouth uh, and your direction in their heart. Pray for the body of Christ, Lord, that we would continue to come together, work together to show your word today as I preach, Lord, was that by this, by this, they will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Let us as the body of Christ love one another and in so doing show the world what Christ's love is all about. Father, bless, bless uh, Pastor Frank and, and Sherry as they lead this congregation. Uh, give them the wisdom and the fortitude to press on. Uh, and we thank you for the beacon of hope that they have been to each and every one of us. Father, we come together today and as we close this out today, we ask your blessing upon the food over here that you would... Uh, Bring it to the nourishment of our bodies. We thank you for those who prepared it and uh, have uh, uh, helped to serve it and everything else. We ask your blessing upon each and every one of them. And God, we pray that all that we have done and all that we do today has brought you glory and honor. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Services tonight. Uh, uh, just go home, enjoy the rest of this day. Pray for Sutherland Springs, those that are going different ways. Pray for these survivors. And remember, evil did not win. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, and there, there is, uh, if you go to the 4th Street, go that out the doors in that direction, you'll see they're serving hamburgers and stuff. I don't know what we're having. 600 hamburgers and stuff. So that direction. <laughs>